Welcome to Music History Monday for August 2nd, 2021. I'm Bob Greenberg, and the title for today's podcast is Carlos Chavez. If you haven't already, please consider joining me on my subscription site at patreon.com slash Robert Greenberg Music, where I blog, vlog, podcast, pontificate, review, and bloviate four to six times a week. We mark the death on August 2nd, 1978, 43 years ago today, of the Mexican composer, pianist, conductor, music educator, and journalist, Carlos Chavez, at the age of 79, in Mexico City. What's the problem here? Allow me, por favor, to express a pet peeve framed as a question. Why has the concert music of 20th century and early 21st century Central and South American composers been so rarely performed and discussed in North America? Note, please that I qualified my pet peeve framed as a question with the phrase, so rarely performed. That's because such performances are admittedly ticking up, particularly in those states bordering on Mexico, California, Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. However, had I broached that question before moving to California in 1978, I would have asked, based on my own admittedly spotty experience, why is the concert music of 20th century Central and South American composers never performed in North America? That's because, speaking personally, in all my years attending concerts in the great American Northeast while growing up, I never, not once, ever heard a piece of authentic Central or South American music performed. Of course, there were performances here and there, but not frequently enough to register on this casual concert-goer. The closest I got to hearing Latin American concert music would have been George Gershwin's Cuban Overture of 1932 and Aaron Copland's El Salon Mexico of 1936. Let us note that both Gershwin and Copland were born in Brooklyn, New York. Likewise, high-end American academia is now beginning to recognize the importance of Latin American music. I recently had the pleasure of meeting Dr. Carol Hess, who is a professor of music at the University of California, Davis, where she specializes in the music of Latin America. I was so impressed with Professor Hess that I wrote the head honchos at The Great Courses slash The Teaching Company in June of this year, and recommended that they take a very close look at her and what she teaches. In the course of that recommendation, I wrote this. The amount and quality of music we're talking about here, from the Rio Grande south to Tierra del Fuego, from indigenous music to contemporary concert works, is incalculably massive, and it begs to be heard and understood more widely. So when it comes to the treatment of Central and South American music in North American academia, things are looking up. However, I am honored bound to tell you 
that in the course of my higher education, Princeton University from 1972 to 1976, and then the University of California, Berkeley from 1978 to 1984, never once was a Central or South American composer or musical work mentioned. Not once, never, nada. So back to the question. Why has the concert music of Central and South American composers been so rarely performed and discussed in North America? Why? Sadly, I think we all know the reason why. It's an issue of cultural, racial, and religious prejudice, plain and simple. An example of the traditional Anglo-Protestant North American bias towards the indigenous and Spanish Catholic populations south of the border. In the highly cultured and often culturally arrogant world of concert music, many Norte Americanos perceive the nations and cultures to the south as being less sophisticated and less cultured than their own. Oh, wow. Talk about baseless conceit. I'm on my soapbox now, forgive me. We would do well to remember that there were major civilizations in Central and South America when the native populations in North America were still hunting and gathering. We would do well to remember that most of the great cities of European origin in South America, Lima, Peru, Sao Paulo, Brazil, Bogota, Colombia, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, Santiago, Chile, Caracas, Venezuela, and Buenos Aires, Argentina, were all thriving cultured metropolises long before the Jamestown settlement was established in 1607 as the oldest settlement in the 13 original colonies. We would be reminded that eight of the 10 largest cities in the Western Hemisphere are in Central and South America. From largest to smallest, they are Sao Paulo, Mexico City, Lima, Bogota, Rio de Janeiro, Santiago, Caracas, and Buenos Aires. Only New York and Los Angeles crack the top 10 at fourth and eighth positions, respectively. The oldest capital in the Western Hemisphere, Mexico City, was established by the Mexica people in 1325, 295 years before the pilgrims landed at Plymouth Rock. In fact, Central and South America were bastions of civilization long before anything approaching their like came into being in North America. I would further suggest that the folk roots of much, if not most, Central and South American concert music have caused it to be rejected by many North American music directors and academes as being hopelessly unmodern. Well, folk roots haven't kept us from embracing Igor Stravinsky's The Rite of Spring, or Bella Bartok's Music for Strings, Percussion, and Celesta, or Aaron Copland's Appalachian Spring. So why in heaven's name should it preclude us from embracing the music of Carlos Chavez, for example? Exactly. Carlos Antonio de Padua Chavez y Ramirez was born in Mexico City, Mexico on June 13, 1899, and died there 43 years ago today, on August 2, 1970.
1978. Chavez was a musical polymath, a veritable one-man orchestra. Trained as a pianist, he became a composer of international renown, a friend and colleague of Edgard Varese, Aaron Copland, and Henry Cowell. In 1928, he was appointed the director of the newly formed Orquestra Sinfonica de Mexico, the first permanent orchestra in Mexico. For 21 years, Chavez directed the orchestra, during which time it performed 487 different works, including 82 world premieres by Mexican composers. In addition to the regular subscription concerts, Chavez staged concerts for workers and students and toured the Mexican provinces as well, exposing many audiences to orchestral music for the first time. He traveled the world as a guest conductor. In 1947, he founded the Orquesta Sinfonica Nacional, which was, for a time, Mexico's leading orchestra. He produced, directed, and conducted concerts of Mexican music at the Museum of Modern Art in New York City, and directed the Cabrillo Music Festival in Aptos, California, from 1970 to 1973. As might be surmised by that previous sentence, Chavez's ties to the United States were particularly strong. His first extended stay occurred when he lived and worked in New York City from September 1926 to June 1928. He was a card-carrying member of the East Coast New Music Community. In 1938, the conductor Arturo Toscanini 1867 to 1957, took a leave of absence as conductor of the NBC Symphony Orchestra, whose weekly broadcasts were heard by many millions of people. The orchestra's specially designed broadcast studio, Studio 8H at New York City's Rockefeller Center, has been the broadcast home for Saturday Night Live since 1975. Carlos Chavez led the NBC orchestra in Toscanini's absence, and in doing so, became a household name throughout the United States. During the 1958-1959 academic year, Chavez was the Charles Eliot Norton professor at Harvard University. The public lectures he delivered, the famed Norton lectures, were assembled into a book entitled Musical Thought, which was published in 1961. As might be surmised by the previous sentence, Chavez was a distinguished teacher. In 1928, at the age of 29, he was appointed the director of the National Conservatory of Music in Mexico City. In the six years he held the post, he completely revamped the curriculum. He created investigative academies dedicated to folk and popular music, history and bibliography, and new music. Along with some of his fellow faculty, he founded an influential journal called Musica. As if all of his composing, performing, and teaching wasn't already enough, Chavez was as well an important and influential musical journalist. In 1924, at the age of 25, he signed on with the Mexico City daily newspaper, El Universal, 
for which he wrote articles on music and culture for over 30 years. By 1955, he had written well over 200 such articles. One must wonder, what were Maestro Chavez's drinking fluids of choice? All told, Chavez's was an absolutely extraordinary life and career. He contributed more to the causes of Mexican music, music education, and Mexican musical culture than any other single person in the 20th century. To both his fellow Mexicans and the world at large, Carlos Chavez was Mexican music between roughly 1925 and his death in 1978. When we return tomorrow in Dr. Bob Prescribes, we will tackle, figuratively, Carlos Chavez, the composer, and his six wonderful symphonies. Until then, thank you. To sample and download one or all of my many courses on subjects musical produced by The Great Courses slash The Teaching Company, please visit my website at robertgreenbergmusic.com.